Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, and welcome to the School for Dumb Witches. Because it's our 13th episode, and Halloween isn't for ages yet, like two months, we decided to make this episode all about the occult. I'm your hostwoman, Hannah Varrell, and I've never been in a cult, although I did once spend an afternoon in the Scientology Centre. With me is sometimes looks at her phone and then it rings, Alexandra Haddo. It's a gift, Hannah, one I use when I'm in a situation where I want to escape a real-life conversation. And once terrorised a small Romanian village, Caroline O'Donoghue. Actually, Hannah, the correct literary term is Caroline O'Donoghue's monster. So in today's episode, we're summoning the gods of Hades to examine luck, Ouija boards, and the 1996 high school witch film, The Craft. Or is it the gods of ladies, am I right? Oh. No, it's ladies. Satan, 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 Satan. <laughs> Satan, 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 Satan. So Caroline, as someone who actually did research this segment, uh, do we know if they're Ouija boards or Ouija boards? You're kind of allowed to say both, um, or they're sometimes called talking boards. Oh. And I've learned all about them this week. So have you guys ever used a Ouija board? I have. Have, have you? you? What yeah. was your experience? Uh, it was a sleepover in someone's garden, probably in early the early days of secondary school. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had candles and stuff and it was creepy. And obviously it said the name of someone or something like that because... I don't know, that's how they work, that's isn't it? That's how they work. That's the catch with them. I <laughs> remember it was always like the scariest thing you could possibly do and it was always going to happen, but I don't, I've never actually done one, but I always remember being really scared because everyone always had a tale of like, well, it's spelled out my dead granddad's name and he'd only just died. and Yeah, and or I didn't like, even know yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, stuff like that. It's a weird one, isn't it? I, I don't actually, I've never used one because I never remember seeing them anywhere. Like, I, I only ever saw them in American films. Like, they always struck me as a very American thing. Like, you know, s'mores or, like, intricately carved pumpkins. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Well, I think we made cups. one out of, uh, like, a Frosty's packet, the back of a Frosty's packet. Oh, yeah, that seems so. suburban. Yeah, very, very <laughs> occult. Yeah. Very occult. They actually have a really long and fascinating history, although not as long as you'd think. Um... The thing about Ouija boards is that they, they're they sort of designed to look like they were dug up from a fucking pirate ship or something. Yeah. Like, they look like they're supposed to be like, oh, I found this under an Egyptian temple slash Yeah, like I'm picturing, movie. like, Jumanji. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, I should have I should have rewatched Jumanji in preparation for this. Because it's not a Ouija board film, but it's kind of got the same sort of essence, doesn't it? Same yeah, vibe. Same ideas. Big same vibe. Basically, Ouija boards kind of started in the mid-19th century when this um, fad called spiritualism started, um, which was all about the kind of prospect of talking to the dead and, you know, 
questioning life and death and whether there's extra planes of reality. You know, it, it sort of figures that if people are reading more, there's more literacy, there's more time to think about things, the Industrial Revolution is happening. Like, it's kind of follows that people would think about their existence a bit more. So people are starting to get hobbies. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that is it. People are starting to get mm. hobbies. And, you know, there are machines around doing people work. So you got to question what makes people people. And that sort of makes you think about the soul and the devil. And yeah. it's, it's a very kind of mystically time, this sort of mid-19th century. And uh, one of the people or the group of people that pioneered this whole spiritualism movement is actually the Fox Sisters. Um, which I fucking love any sister story basically ever <laughs> like Sweet Valley High Sister Sister um, any of them really um, so the Fox Sisters were these like New York socialite women uh, Leah, Maggie and Kate and they were just like a bit awesome like they just used to hang out a lot and come up with tricks and stuff I feel like this is your next novel Yeah, I mean I was kind of amazed that there hasn't been like a film starring like Emily Blunt and Keira Knightley and someone else with brown hair yeah um, <laughs> um, what's um, her face from an education oh Carrie Mulligan yeah oh, yeah, yeah. So their whole thing when they were younger was like playing tricks on like their mom and their nanny and stuff. Um, one of the things that they did that they loved doing was um, they would be lying in their bed at night and then they would uh, thread a piece of string through an apple and then rattle it off the bed frame and they would sort of like, they wouldn't look like they were moving, but they'd be tugging on the string and they would be making all these rattling rapping sounds. And, and they like convinced their mother that they were like being, ha- their bedroom was being haunted and stuff. <gasps> Just for like the bang really just for the laugh yeah which is just like i completely relate to that just like messing it around but they took what was essentially a preteen joke and made it into an international career so they kind of followed on with this kind of rapping noise coming from nowhere and they said like oh you know two raps means this three raps means that and eventually they came up with the system was like a certain amount of raps or a certain kind of rap means um like a certain letter Sure. And then that's when the idea of talking boards came along, right? Oh, so wow. they start charging people, they start showing people. And I think um, because they're these three sisters and they're living in New York and they're kind of socialites or whatever, they become this sort of like the Kardashians of mysticism almost. People are just obsessed with them. I would watch that show. Absolutely. Yeah, totally would. Um, and obviously it's a big hoax. Um, and in later life, all of them gave interviews being like, yes, we were just messing around because it was a laugh and a good way to make money, like extra yeah, money. Sure. Um, but what was kind of great about their whole thing was that loads of journalists went to their house to like investigate the Fox sisters and this ruse and everything. But they were making all these sounds underneath their dresses. Like they were like knocking their kneecaps against pieces of wood and stuff. And because this is the Victorian era, like a journalist isn't going to be like... That's coming from your dress, isn't it? That's, that's, that's under your clothes, isn't it, love? Like I can only see your sexy ankles. Yeah. <laughs> so there's so much going on under it. But anyway, so obviously a couple of decades later, the whole idea of talking boards is stolen by a man called... Oh, yeah, sure. of course, the fucking man. Yeah, it's uh, stolen in 1890 by a man called Charles Kennard, where he put together a small group of investors and he essentially founded a toy company that solely makes Ouija boards. Well, um, I, bet I know why he got investment, because it wasn't all women. Yeah, because it wasn't three yeah. sisters being like, we have a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, women aren't funny, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't be well, true. You've monetized yeah. our joke, Charles. <laughs> Can- Charles Duck. Yeah. Charles oh my God, Kennard. Charles Kennard. He is Charles Duck. 
Yeah, Charles Canardi essentially mansplained their great joke into a profitable business venture. Um, they even allowed the Ouija board to name itself. That's why it's called that. <gasps> yeah. Name itself. Who, who had their fingers on it? I mean, I assume Charles and one other person. That just shows you that it definitely is bullshit because that's not any type of word that would come out. Like, it's not a free-flowing normal word. Like, yeah. Ouija. It's not good, is it? Yeah. No. Some people are like, oh, it's um, it's French for yes and German for yes. <laughs> I mean, Which technically, is, that's true. Like, it, is, it is true, but it doesn't explain it's anything. It's like an, a European couple making love. <laughs> It stands for unity. Yes. This is an episode of Euro Trash, isn't it? Yeah. We, we yeah. Um, so as the decades roll on, it starts as being this kind of like a fun for all the family thing. And then they start marketing it in this very strange way where the makers of the company are very much like, this is but a frivolous board game and we only mean it as a as a Victorian novelty. Please do not take it seriously. You're not dabbling with the occult. But then they would also plant these PR stories about like, oh, you know, a train got thrown off the tracks and a Ouija board helped us find it kind of thing. Ooh. So by almost denying it, they were laying, they were stoking the fires. Oh, they truly were. Was the, yeah. the masters of PR. They, oh, they completely were. Um, but what happens then that kind of really stokes the popularity of these Ouija boards is um, the Civil War. So in America, like massive amounts of people just die, right? Like I don't even know how many, this isn't the Civil War episode, but tons of people die. And in order to deal with the kind of grief of that, like people haven't really had that experience of like, oh, suddenly both of my brothers, my boyfriend and my dad is just dead. They get, Shit, they get yeah. really into this idea of like talking to the dead. Um, and this kind of carries on over the decades and it, it, it's like it's kind of fun parlor game but then something really interesting happens which is the end of the Victorian era, era happens and then the start of World War One happens and then we get more boys going missing again and more people who want to mm. talk to them but um, we're also getting these young people who are allowed to spend time together for the first time ever and because the Ouija board is played traditionally um, between two people over your knees and, you know, in the dark. Oh, it's a sexy game. It's a sexy game oh. for two. Yeah. So it's kind of stoked by, it's like a great first date activity. Like, I wonder oh. if there's any, like, you know, speed dating Ouija board events I could go to. I mean, it sounds like something that you could make a lot of money from if you, yeah. if you set yeah. that up. Let's summon our dead sex lives and... Right? Have sex. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that. Um, but even then, there were still kind of this idea that it was kind of a fun parlor game that we play after dinner and what a what a hoot this all is. And this carries on until like the 60s and 70s where... Um, have you ever heard of this thing called Satanic Panic? No. No, it sounds like a, a band. Well, it's, it's kind of the, the name roughly given to the 70s and 80s where all of a sudden everybody is convinced that... Devil cults are ruling the world and oh, it's like the era of like Charles society. Manson and yeah, exactly. It is the era of Charles Manson, and uh, that's when the Illuminati idea first kind of came into existence. And then at the same as well, um, it's linked to so many things like the kind of 
proliferation of like heavy metal music and like Dungeons and Dragons in the 70s and like all these kind of and fantasies having this real boom time as well. What so that so Ouija boards had like another resurgence? Yeah, completely. This. And oh. and also there's um The Exorcist that came out in the 70s as well. Okay. So in The Exorcist, uh the plot of the movie is obviously a little girl called Reagan gets possessed by a demon, but the reason she gets possessed by the demon is because she's playing with the Ouija board. Um, oh, so she God. plays with it at a sleepover and then it's kind of it's from that point from the exorcist and from all of this sort of satanic panic that's happening in the culture you get this idea that a Ouija board isn't a toy it's a dangerous thing oh. and at the same time you get all these spiritualists and psychics and mediums who are saying um, don't don't play with the Ouija board by yourself you need us because the kind of the itch people had for the occult and for psychicness and communicating with the dead that they would normally get off a psychic they were itching themselves at home with their Ouija board. Oh, so they were like, shit. Taking away our business. <laughs> Taking away our business. Yeah. yeah. So they started like pushing out this thing of being like, oh, don't do it by yourself because bad things will happen. And that's where we get the whole transition of an, a Ouija board being a toy to a Ouija board being like a dangerous thing that only like bad kids do. Wow. Yeah. So does anyone know, because they do... When you're in a group and you've got all your, you know, fingers on the upside down shot glass or whatever it is, mm-hmm. like it, it does often work. Yeah. That's... So why is that just a kind of collective effort of everyone wanting it to go a certain way? That's actually a great question. And there is a um, whole study into this and it's absolutely fascinating. Um, it's called the idiomotor phenomenon. So this is all based around the idea that even if you consciously don't think that you know something, you probably know it. So they did the psychological test um, that was uh, asking people sort of like pub quiz questions, like what's the capital of Hungary kind of thing, okay, that sort of stuff. So they asked them to answer it just normally, and then they asked them to answer it using a Ouija board. And overwhelmingly, the answers were cor- more correct. <gasps> what if it was the spirit of Hungary? <laughs> it could have been the spirit of Hungary. Um, and they, they all put this down to the the idiometer phenomenon, which is you, you actually do know things that you won't admit to knowing, um, but your body remembers it. And what often happens in, with a kind of a muscle memory is, say, say we ask the Ouija board a question and say it's like, um, when will I get a pay rise? And then it just someone just slides over to M. And then... At that, we will all work together to do Monday or so, March yeah. or May because you will, even if you, yeah. you think that you're being controlled by something, you actually are moving you're doing it yourself. It, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's kind of happening on quite a deep subconscious level. And, and people do actually use Ouija boards within psychological tests to try and, you know, get information from people. Wow. It's been done. It's cool, right? Because it's like, it's not me, it's the board. And then you can, like, sort of. Not claim responsibility, you but yourself, you're also yeah. getting your message out. Yeah, it's like that Michael Douglas film with Brittany Murphy, where like <laughs> she has to remember a murder, but she can't because she's crazy. Oh yeah. What was that again? It's in her head, and he has to get it out. Yeah. Well, Michael, you should have used a Ouija board. <laughs> So something that uh, is quite striking about Ouija boards too is that technically it's coding. Oh my God, it is coding. So that leads us on nicely to our Women Who Code Mixer. Ah. Yay! I'm dressed as a witch this week. I'm in a bin bag. (laughs) 
wearing some purple lipstick. Mm. Mm. Now, if you're a regular listener of this podcast, you will know that we've been trying to learn to code for what seems like 13 weeks now. uh, And that's a hell of a long time. So, uh, you know, Alex, can you code yet? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Caroline? Oh, hang on. Let me check in my bag. Um, No, no, I can't. That's a half eaten Mars bar you've got Oh, shit. Well, yeah, I can't code either, which is kind of weird. So we thought in this week's Women Who Code Mixer, we would see if we can learn to code using a specially designed spell, which I found. Oh, great. Um, Which, if you think about it, is another type of coding. God, everything is code. It's true. All right, let's go. Okay. First to place HTML in the fiery bowl of hell, then to add three hackathons, followed by Wart of St. John. Slowly stir Miranda Gates with some kind of zinc sulfate. Crush the three most common apps with a lizard's two kneecaps to the point of near collapse and rinse out with cherry snaps. Thus your coding potion done. Wait for expertise to come. If you still know which who codes, perhaps instead just find a bro. Do you think it worked? I I think the last part did. I've had an email from a bro called Squarespace and he wants to build a website <gasps> for me. It works! Oh, guys! Ah. The divine has entered my inbox and that is not a euphemism. So now that we've charged our way into knowing code, well done us, by the way, let's move on to the next section of today's themed podcast. Uh, Alex, you're going to tell us all about luck. Luck be three ladies tonight. Ah. Yes, welcome. I'm doing a, I'm doing a prayer <laughs> stance. You are. Welcome to my luck seminar. Um, now, I, 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 my teacher did a assembly when I was younger and I've always remembered what he said. And he said that a lot of people don't believe in superstition. A lot of people don't believe in magic. A lot of people don't believe in spooky stuff, which, as we have all learned, is not true. It's all very real. But a lot of people, nearly everybody even if they're not necessarily believing in it, in common language, we use the word luck all the time, nearly every day. Oh, well, good luck. Oh, yeah, that's unlucky. Oh, you know, so the concept of it is in our minds a lot. So what is luck? When have you felt the luckiest in your life? When I met you. And then shortly after when I met Hannah. Babes, I am a lucky horn. (laughs) (laughs) But also when I was born with um, very light pubic hair. What? Yeah, no, I've, you know, I don't have to shave that often. Oh, I thought you meant you were born with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel lucky. Um, or, I don't know, it could be luck or it could be talent at mini golf. Because the other day mm. I played mini golf and I got a total score of something like 32. And I got Out four of- hole in ones. Four well, hole in ones? That. Yeah, did Caroline. Oh, God. Tiger, was Before, it or was it talent? Hannah, I when I was in the science world, I would have said talent. But now I am the high priestess of luck. And I will now say that that is luck. Wow. But yeah, I mean, luck is just basically humans attributing something to something that would happen anyway. And as somebody famously once said, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Oh, very good. Who was that? It was a man. I think it was like Samuel Beckett or someone. Uh, Basically, the English word of luck appears comparatively late in the 1480s as a loan from low German or Dutch. And it means destiny or fortune. It likely entered in English as a gambling term. What didn't? Um, but no one knows the real sort of context. But obviously, luck can be good or bad. When you think of luck, you think of it as fairly positive. But obviously, mm-hmm. you can have yeah. bad luck, good luck. So it's like a quantifiable thing that we talk about. Yeah, that's um, weird, isn't it? Yeah. 
but why I've got I've got um, a couple of things that we talk about as being good luck and a couple of things that we talk about being bad luck and why we think of those. So what do you if I said, oh, that's bad luck. What might have just happened to me? You got bird shit on you. Yeah, that's unlucky. That's not yeah. one of the ones I researched. Although, but I guess no, that just explains... shitting on your head is lucky, though, isn't it? Yeah. Somehow, just to make you feel better about it. Yeah, it is. Like a black cat you often think of mm. as a bad thing, but I researched as black cats are seen as lucky in the UK and Asia. Are they? Yeah, but a oh. black cat crossing you is unlucky. Right, so it just has to stay to the side of you or behind you. Yeah, and apparently it's because it was thought of as like a witch's familiar. So if mm, it's beside yeah. you, it's like your guardian and it knows it knows things. Oh. Cats are witchy, aren't they? Yeah. I think generally when I say to people, oh, that's unlucky, it's generally a story they're telling me where I know that whatever has happened to them is definitely their fault. <laughs> but clearly yeah. it's one of those stories where I'm supposed to sympathise with them. So I'm like, oh, you lost your job because you, you were late all the time and you phoned in sick and everybody yeah. knew that you weren't sick. Unlucky. Oh, unlucky now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, but it's, it's fun to think about why things are lucky and unlucky. What, like a four-leafed clover? Why is that thought of as lucky? It's just rare. Yeah, because it's rare. Well, yeah, but there's something more than that. Yes, because it's one in 10,000. It can't be. Well, the internet says it's true. And it's essentially because each leaf of the clover is supposed to signify love, life and light. And then the fourth one signals luck. Oh, and that's why it's thought of as lucky. Yeah. Exactly. Also... Another theory. A Christian legend tells the story that Eve brought a four-leaf clover with her when she was expelled from paradise. So anyone lucky to be in possession of a four-leaf clover has consequently a piece of the blessed paradise. That seems a bit more far-fetched. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if I buy that. Yeah. But at least it's like a good thing for Eve because she got a lot of bad press. She does. Yeah. Why do you think it was unlucky to smash a mirror? Why do you say you've get, you get seven years you're bad gonna luck? Because you're going to cut yourself on the glass. Yeah, glass is bad. It's actually because mirrors were expensive, so people used to tell them, if you break them, you'll get seven years bad luck. Basically, you won't be able to afford a new one. And in ancient times, you'd be looking into your reflection and they thought it was a piece of your soul. So they thought if you, like, smashed your reflection, once they started making real mirrors, that you would get bad luck because you've you've kind of harmed yourself. Oh, wow. Basically. Um, I found that on, genuinely, (laughs) mirrorhistory.com. Wow. I want to know the story of that website. Yep. It's, uh, it's a lot. It's just run by a community of mirror enthusiasts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically. And it's, it's, yeah, it's really strange. And it's, it was the Romans who tagged the broken mirror, a sign of seven years bad luck, apparently. Um, and the length of time comes from the ancient Roman belief that it took seven years for life to renew itself. That's weird because that's one that I've heard like science talk about, right? There's like the whole thing yeah, when your cells cell regenerate. Your yeah. yeah, and it's yeah. supposedly like the length of time that you would naturally stay with somebody enough to like raise a couple of kids and then they can sort of fend for themselves and then you'd fuck off and shag someone else. Did you just come up with that? No, it's in Sarah Pascoe's book, Animal. Oh. And it's a seven year itch. That's why oh, course, relationships yeah. uh, get a... Yeah, because they're in school then, aren't they? So, yeah. yeah. I'd like to end my segment on a very mental story. It's very quick. So I typed into Google, who is the luckiest person alive ever? And it was a unanimous decision, pretty much. Ooh. It was a man called Frain Selak, who was born in 1929. Wasn't very lucky with his name. I know, yeah. Frain? Frain? Like Crane with an F. Like Window? Frain. Like Andy Dufresne. Yes. Well, he was very unlucky, wasn't he? Very lucky. 
lucky in the end. I mean, I, that was his own perseverance. Well, well, yeah. I won't blame luck on that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Frain was a Croatian music teacher who has escaped death seven times and then won the lottery. <gasps> this is an absolutely wow. true story. So it's the 20th century. So it's documented. It's not kind of folklore or anything. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to run you very quickly through his seven brushes with death and then I will finish on that flourish. <gasps> I can't wait. So, Frayne's brush with death started in 1962 when he was riding a train through a cold, rainy canyon. The train flipped off the tracks and crashed into a river. Someone pulled him to safety while 17 other people drowned. Number two, the next year, during his first and only ever plane ride, he was blown out of a malfunctioning plane door and landed in a haystack. The plane crashed, killing 19 people. (gasps) Three years after that, in 1966, a bus that he was riding skidded off the road and into a river, drowning four passengers. He swam to shore with a few cuts and bruises. But these are all transport-related. How do we know it's not just him, like, grabbing the wheel? I know, is he? Yeah, maybe he's like, I'm so lucky! (laughs) Well, he's actually called, like, his sort of folklore is the unluckiest lucky man oh, ever see, because yeah. all of these things are yeah maybe like there was just like a hit out on his life by the I know maybe society. he was like a spy yeah. or something wait yeah. but there's four more right yeah okay. well, three more I think oh yeah four more in 1970, his car caught fire as he was driving and he managed to escape before the fuel tank blew up. Three years after that, in another driving incident, the engine of his car was doused with hot oil from a malfunctioning fuel pump. Fun. It does sound like he was a spy, um, causing flames to shoot through the air vents. Frayden's hair was completely singed in the incident, but he was otherwise unharmed. In 1995, he was hit by a bus in Zagreb in Croatia, but sustained only minor injuries. In 1996, he eluded a head-on collision with a United Nations truck... Ooh. AKA the government, sort of. <gasps> they did have a hit out in his yeah. life. They're all transport and they're all the government. Yeah, this United Fuck. Nations truck was um, on a mountain curve, sw- swerving into a guardrail, and it gave way under the force of his car. He was ejected from his car when the door flew open and he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. He managed to hold on to a tree and watched his car plummet down 90 metres into a gorge. Oh. This guy! This fucking guy. And then. In 2003, two days after his 73rd birthday, he won €800,000 on the lottery. At the time of his win, he also married for the fifth time. Oh my goodness. Well, he wasn't very lucky in love then. No. Or Or really lucky. Yeah. Um, He purchased two houses and a boat with his winnings, but in 2010, he decided to give most of his remaining money away to relatives and friends and decided to live a frugal lifestyle. Wow. Aww. I thought you were going to say that he like gave his money to like um to improve transport in Croatia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He gave his money away because he could yeah. never leave his house again. <laughs> um but yeah, wow. and I also remember that Leonardo DiCaprio was very lucky. He's been attacked by a shark. He's watched a engine of the plane that he was on explode in the air, and he's also been in a parachute jump where the the parachute didn't work and then the safety didn't work for a while what? and then the guy said we're definitely going to break our legs because we're going too fast and then the safe like because he pulled some sort of trick which meant they were able to land so he was like okay and then they landed and he just rolled and he didn't break his legs or have any Jesus. bad injuries wow so i would also suggest that maybe um a club of vengeful models possibly got together and, yes. and bribed the bungee jump guy. Just as Frain Selleck was uh, probably targeted by the CIA, Leonardo DiCaprio is targeted by Victoria's Secret. Yes. Because, like, I mean, like in Zoolander says, like, they, they're beautiful people. They're allowed into any location. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're models, so it's international. Like, they can get away yeah. with anything. No one will question them. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And now, Hannah, you're going to tell us about a cult in both senses, oh, film. Oh, very good, very good. Excellent segue. Thank yeah. you. The craft. So, yeah, so when we were planning this podcast, uh, I guess last week, Caroline, you mentioned the craft in some kind of context. Like a bunch like, of times, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I've never seen, I've never seen the craft. And you were like, do that for your segment. And I think you were joking, but I've done that for my segment. You so, hero. I'm fucking very pleased about Let this. me tell you, the craft is absolutely great. <gasps> did you like it? I loved it. Because I was so nervous because you didn't like text the WhatsApp group to say what you thought about it. I was like, oh no, she hates the crowd. I, no, I, I want to hate her. <laughs> I also, to save it for our safe space. I really want to dress like them all in the crowd. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're so, Holy oh, shit. such good All choices. of those scenes where they're like kind of walking down the corridor yeah. all together in like a mon- Mean Girls montage. Oh, yeah. Okay, but so. Four Mean Girls, wasn't it? So Yeah. Okay, so for our listeners who for some reason aren't aware of the craft, can you give us a quick plot summary? Right, yes. Okay, so this girl, Sarah, has just moved to LA. She's started a new high school. She falls in with these three girls who are really into witchcraft and they take her to this witch shop and they start doing all these spells together and it's amazing. And like magic actually works in this film. Like it's the real world. So it's like magic realism because Mm -hmm. it's our real world but they can do magic as well. Um, So it's great. And they take revenge on all these girls that are mean to them. And Sarah makes this boy that she doesn't like for some reason fall in love with her. And they're having a fab time. And then they all go a bit mad. And eventually um, magic karma basically gets them because anything that you do will come back on you threefold. Mm. So uh, they all go a bit mad then. And eventually there's a big fight between the new girl, Sarah, and uh, the kind of leader of the other three girls. Um, and the new girl, Sarah, wins. And the other girl gets sent to a psychiatric hospital. But not before she summons loads of sharks. Yes! <laughs> it's just the best scene in any film. Oh, my God. I had totally forgotten about that. It's the best. And she's like, on. she's a fucking deranged at the end yeah, on the beach. So they're she's like, on the beach presence. summoning Manon, which is the god of everything it's like it's earth it's nature it's uh you know the rain it's the grass it's like power yeah and it and it works and then they wake up in the morning and nancy the leader of the three girls is walking on water 
And then they hear all these police sirens and they kind of go around the corner and there's all these sharks. There's all these sharks on the beach. The 90s was such a great time for like witchy magic films. Yeah. Like Hocus Pocus. And, and Practical Magic when Nicole Kidman yeah. and Vanda Bullock. I love that movie. And Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Is that Nev Campbell who plays Nancy? No, Nev Campbell plays Bonnie because I looked it up because I feel like I've heard of Nev, Nev Campbell. Yeah. Nev Campbell. Yeah, Scream but I don't really know why. So what I liked about this film is that basically at the start, it's kind of just it's kind of just a shit high school film. Mm. Like, obviously they have like the new girl and they have all the montages where they're walking down the corridors and they have the mean girls and they have the, you know, the jock boyfriends and they have the makeover scene when <gasps> Bonnie's scars come off. Oh my God, that's it's such so a gross strange. scene. Yeah. They laser off her scars or yeah. something? Well, they laser them off, but actually it's because Nancy has done a spell on them that they yeah, and they off. like fall away and, and the scabby scientists are and... like oh my god what's happening and they fall away and she's got like perfect skin underneath and she comes back into class and she's like wearing this really low cut top and she's feeling herself yeah. she's like sorry my nail appointment ran over and everyone bursts out laughing and it's like you're in geography class like that's not even very funny but I love the yeah. American high school trope yeah. It's so great. It makes you feel like you're a kid again. Yeah, and it kind of makes you feel safe as well. It's kind of like, I know how this works. Yeah, I know the rules of this universe. There's mean girls, but like the nice girl's probably going to win. And then they all turn into like these horrible witches. And she's so evil at the end, but you still want her to win. And she does. So well, I, I just love like everything about the kind of look and feel of that film. I feel like it's very you. It's v- you I'm, that's into- the best thing you've ever, ever <laughs> said to me. Thank you so much for that. Because you've said before you were really into like kind of, you know, um, conspiracy theories and witchcraft and all that kind of stuff. I was sat in my garden making little houses for wood lice <laughs> <laughs> on my own, yeah. putting sticks in ice cream boxes. Aww. You were probably like Alan summoning pentagrams. I and- did used to do spells. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, and I had um, I had this book called Spellcraft, which was supposed to be like um, modern spells for the modern witch, and it was clearly aimed at like '90s career girls, and it was really bad. And it was like, this is the fax machine spell, and this is the like, uh, I have a problematic coworker spell and stuff. It was there was very embarrassing. Like a surge of that when we were growing up, I think, because yeah. I really got into ice by. Um, you know, like witchy magazines and it would have a spell in it and you'd have, you know, like you'd kind of feel like you were in possession of a secret. And then there was that whole boom of, you know, the films like that, like The Craft and Hocus Pocus. And yeah, all these and was of... The Craft kind of like the first, I feel like you, you, I probably should have researched this, but you're more qualified. Like, was The Craft kind of one of the first, like, witchy high school films? Because then obviously there's like Buffy. Oh, which yeah. Which is really similar. Yeah. Um, I can't think of one Charmed, before it. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Well, Sabrina Teenage Witch was actually an Archie comic from the 60s, I think. Oh. But in terms of like that kind of grunge girl aesthetic, I think they were very much the outliers for that. Because Buffy, yeah, it's like supernatural and stuff, but Buffy's still like a babe, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it doesn't have, like obviously there was Giles' shop where they went to get all their occult stuff. But like the good thing about the craft is that like it's weaved all the way through. Like even... What's so great about how it's made is that LA is and and downtown LA is just made to feel like this very grungy place where anything could happen to you. Like this is one point where Sarah is like grabbed by a homeless woman, and you fully believe that like it's not just like a girl having a scary moment downtown. It's like the devil is coming for her. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's like it's completely woven through the entire feel of the film, and that's what makes it so good. I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, there was Practical Magic. There was Hocus Pocus, which is great. And Sarah Jessica Parker in her physical peak. Yeah. Before Magic in the City. 
Just boy single witches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess I guess the whole point of this segment is just to say that the craft is great. It's yeah. a fucking good film. That's, that's, that's all the information you need to learn about that. And it will live on every three years or so in the trend pages of Vogue and Ellen Harper's Bazaar where they reference it and there's that famous iconic picture of the four of them walking towards you and they'll say think the craft <laughs> meets such and such and it was because like knee high patent boots are written or something oh yeah or like oh, check nice. skirts yeah. or yeah. whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. check yeah. skirts and chokers yeah. like yeah definitely when the whole choker thing came back yeah. last year the yeah. craft was, was everywhere the reference point fuck I'm gonna watch this movie later I know I'm gonna get him <laughs> and watch it I have it on DVD oh DVD yeah. remember them it's a different kind of magic <laughs> <laughs> So for this week's smart lesson, we were going to do self-confidence. But when we were walking to the studio, um, something kind of weird happened. There was this like mist kind yeah. of everywhere, yeah. just really sudden. A thick grey mist and yeah. we, you couldn't see your own hands. No. And no. a strange note, just one note being held down, sort of like... Weird day, guys. And then this old crone emerged and she was wearing this black hood and holding an apple and had a hook nose just coming out of it. And we thought, my, oh my, who is this woman? It was honestly, it was so spooky. And then the weirdest thing was it turned out to be your good mate, Jen Cowney. Yeah, it was Jen. Yeah, hi. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've got a hook nose, but thanks. (laughs) Hey, dude, you've got that hook nose in the wart at the end of it. Oh, oh, have I? Is it it showing? And then you've got like eight eight wire hairs coming out of your chin. (laughs) (laughs) That's more accurate. That's that's hitting 30. So as well as a spooky interloper, Jen turns out to be a professional tarot dabbler. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're here, Jen, to tell us all about how to tell the future when you're fucking up your present. Um, In other words, you're going to teach us how to use tarot cards. Um, What are tarot cards? Um, So tarot cards are, as the name sort of suggests, a set of cards that look quite a lot like playing cards, but they're not. Um, The weird thing about tarot cards, though, is that they did start off as playing cards. So in the 15th century, um, there was an Italian game called, I can't say it because my Italian accent is bad, but Triumphe, which is basically like Trumps. Mm-hmm. But in but in Italian, um, and indeed you can still, and some people do still play the tarot game now. It is a game. Um, there's nothing weird about it. It's just a card game. Uh, but as it happened over over many years, and as people are wont to do, uh, particularly I think female players of the tarot game uh, began to ascribe divinatory meanings to all of the different cards in the deck, Ooh. and so it went from being something that you did for like betting and winning some money to being a way to tell people about their future or about what was going on in their lives or what wasn't um, and sort of a bit of a, a way of dabbling with the occult and you can pretty much dabble with the occult with anything I mean you could probably like tea leaves palms crystals you just could random probably, numbers you literally yeah. could probably be like oh my shoelaces are tied in a particular way this morning and that means something so in theory I yeah. guess you could find meaning in anything but I really like them they're great um there are 78 tarot cards in a deck, which is different to normal playing cards. Yeah, that's quite a lot, isn't it? It is a lot. So you get, like a normal playing card deck, you have four suits, which are ace to ten, and then you have court cards, but with one extra one, because in normal things you have page, queen, king. In tarot you get page, well, jack, queen, can you get page, knight, fun times, Ooh, queen and king. An extra man. Yeah, and he's, he's, always always kind of, he's always kind of a horny character is as he? well. He's quite like... <laughs> 
Alex is interesting. He's quite know, a ride, yeah. as, uh, as Caroline would probably yeah. say. Yeah, he is um, a fucking ride. I love he's that. Give me the Knight of Swords any I mean, day. literally, he's there on the top of my pack oh, right now. look at him. <gasps> look at him. Of course he is. Isn't yeah. he a babe with his big sword in his hand and he's his like, charger? Um, but in addition to the court cards and suit cards, which are not the same suits as normal cards, they're weird and slightly more witchy, um, you also have 22 trump cards, which are the major arcana. And they're the things that, like, if you're watching shows and someone says, like, ooh, death or the high priestess. Ah, uh, okay. Um, those are those ones. Right. Yeah, so you've got 78 cards. Um, and the, every single one has a meaning. Um, the meanings vary uh, based on who's reading. And the tradition you follow, the one that most people ascribe to as their kind of base level, is it was created by the Golden Dawn, which is about as pimping as it sounds. Um, <laughs> and they got together and somehow kind of ratified what all the cards probably meant. And you kind of ended up with a, a sort of step 78 cards. We have a sort of basic meaning that most people would take as being their start point. But the fun of tarot and the interesting thing about it is, I think, again, talking about women's uh, things rather than slightly more masculine uh, pursuits. Yeah. Uh, you do have a bit more flexibility, like with fairy tales, where there's kind of a basic storyline, but you have room to embellish it and play with it and, and sort of find your own meaning in it. So tarot cards are a bit like that. Uh, and you, you basically, you pull cards, and from those cards, you get meanings. And the meanings come both from what the card is, but also from where it falls in a spread. So... You do a spread of three cards, quite simple. If you do a spread of 16, it gets a little bit more complicated. And you can use them to ask questions about your life, what's going on. Uh, you can do futures. I kind of don't because I feel like if I pulled a future card for myself, it should really say you will spend most of next week watching Grey's Anatomy on your <laughs> sofa. And there isn't a card for that. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's the tarot. The tarot is a way of sort of exploring your life. And as you said in the introduction, um, what to do when your current life is fucked up. Hello, I'm a great person to talk about that. <laughs> when you want to know about your future, so you can take the cards and you can ask it, what do I need to do? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to bring into my life? What will happen? What won't happen? Oh my God. And I love this. Yeah. I'm so interested. I'm very intrigued and I want to know. Do you want to yeah. know things? I do. Do you yeah. know what, now that you say it, I have got a question that I've been thinking about all week. Wow. That um, it would be amazing if you could help out with it at all. Sure. So, Jen, my question is, um, obviously, Taylor Swift's album Reputation is coming out quite soon, and that's the sixth album. Um, but the question I, that I've been having a lot of trouble with is, what's her seventh album going to be about? Oh, good question. It's mm. a very good question. And I don't think there's anything better than the tarot to answer it. Yeah, because um, the old Taylor is dead, and yes. now we have the new Taylor, yeah. and we know what new Taylor has to offer, which is mostly revenge by the yeah. sounds of and snakes. About that. Yeah, fine with the two, but where's she going to go from there? Exactly. Do you think we want to pull a one card to find out, or do you want to do like three? Yeah, should we should we do one card then? One card, one card to rule us all. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's one wrong. strong message from Tay. Exactly from, from Tay of future. Mm. So if you could order summon future Tay in your head okay. and I'm think about her. who she is now, me. who she has been. Oh, never ever. Okay, maybe you're ready. I've pulled a card. <gasps> okay. The card is. Oh! <gasps> it's a heart oh with, my God. with swords in it. It's the most oh. Taylor card in the deck. <laughs> really That's is. her album cover. It's the Three of Swords, <laughs> it's everyone. The Three of Swords, which is about, and this is Taylor's going to get back to form. It's about heartbreak, friends. It's about heartbreak <laughs> and yes. Harry Styles it's is going to breadcrumb her, call her up for one night, and then he's going to dump her again. And oh, that is fuck. album seven. Do you think so? 
There it is. I mean, if we wanted any proof that Tara works, Amazing. Taylor Swift's next album, it's like her be previous seven, six, will be about heartbreak. Wow. Okay. Well, that's obviously, incredible. obviously, we kind of know that's her. I mean, that's amazing that you've pulled that card because of all the cards you could have pulled, you've pulled the heartbreak card. Yeah. But um, can you give us any deeper read on that? Or we can expect more from. Well, I think one of the things that I like about this card, people get a bit scared by it because it's a big heart with three swords in it. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it looks enough. quite violent. Two things I think I'd say about it. First of all, the swords, the suit of the swords is all about the mind. You would think it's about the feelings because there's a heart on it but swords are all about what's in your head and I think there's something there about maybe Taylor is doing this to herself maybe she's <gasps> thinking herself into her own prison wow oh, fuck. so I don't you know you say that she's got a victim complex <laughs> I don't know if I'd say would I say that what if Taylor Swift hears this and then she comes to I think to she needs me. to hear it she does <laughs> listen to yeah, like, I fucking love fan. Taylor Swift but she needs yeah. to put calm down doesn't she I think and that's the thing with this it's kind of like it's in your head. There's also a bit of sort of melodrama to it where it's like, oh, whoa, it's me. I am so broke. And, and you're kind of like, well, yeah, but you're sort of, oh, you're yeah. sort of doing it. So I think this card, when it's on its own, it could be read as like a very tragic thing or it could be like maybe you just sort of need to get a bit of perspective. Maybe you got yourself yeah. into a pattern that you can't break. Yeah, and, you know, we've all been there. This is, this is a card I think many of us have seen if we are people mm, who read the tarot. Yeah. Poor Taylor. but it's yeah. incredible. Yeah, so that I, is genuinely incredible. I feel like that's my question answered. Like, great. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's 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 what's going to happen to her. All right. Well, I think that's that's that question answered yeah. divinely. Do we have more questions? Yes, Do I we? have yeah. a question that is more rooted in the everyday. Sure. Can you do that for me? Yeah. Um, Ooh, they're shuffled. Sorry for the shuffling there. <laughs> I am worried mm -hmm. that because my dog has chewed on everything in my flat. Every single door frame, every fucking piece of furniture, all of the ones that came with the flat, mind you, none of the stuff that we bought ourselves. I am not going to get my deposit back when we move out. What am I going to do? What are you going to do? Well, will I? Like, can I just like paint over it? Should I lie about it? And should I say I never had a dog? Or and should I ignore everything? So you want a bit of advice from the from the deck here? Yeah. Which is what will Caroline do? Yeah. What should she do? Should I lie to my landlady? You're gaslight your landlady okay. and be like, I never had a dog. Yeah, there was always <laughs> teeth marks in the doors and Maybe everything you did else. Maybe. Found a card. What does it say? Turn it over. It's the Empress. Oh, explain to me. Well, the Empress is one of the major arcana, so she's like a big thing. She's not one of the little day to day big name. Well, she's a big name. She is exactly a big name in the deck. Right. Um, she's, she's the she's share not, of the deck. She's number three. She's oh. the mother figure of the deck. She is the maternal figure of the deck. She is often depicted as being pregnant. She's all about fertility and about things growing. <gasps> You're going to have to have a baby of sympathy. Maybe dog babies. <laughs> I dog guess, babies. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe you could read that as being, you should claim that she's a baby because you're allowed to have babies in flats. That is oh. true. Well, and my baby chewed on the doors. <laughs> and yeah. baby was teething. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> As a young single yes. mother, I mean, put Gavin in a cupboard or something. Yeah, You've got yeah. a toothy baby. <laughs> yeah. You're probably not going to get your deposit back. That's what I'm going to say. And I'm right. saying that I don't think I need the tarot to tell me that you're probably not going to get a deposit back <laughs> when your furniture's been chewed. So, All right. Great. Alex, what's your question? Um, my question is, I don't want this to be about love, relationships. I want to know who I'm going to bang next. Who are you going to bang next? Maybe you should pick this card. Okay. Ooh. So have a little feel through the deck. Okay. And just like one that come, that feels right, feels like the card you're going to bang. Oh, it's this one. It's it's calling to me. All right. Who is this? This top one. Who is this? Ooh. You're going to bang the six of pentacles. Oh, he Ooh. sounds like he's pentacles, jazzy. Right? <laughs> well, yeah. The good thing about pentacles, pentacles are definitely the card of sort of 
what is manifest of the body oh. of the ground. So an earthy man. A man. Ooh, oh, bit of an odor off him. Oh, but <laughs> maybe you'll meet him at the Christmas tree place. <gasps> yes, I have maybe to say. I will. For context, we should say that uh, Alex saw a listing online for selling Christmas trees at Christmas, and it pays loads. And she's uh, yeah. And we very all figured tempted. we all figured it would be a really good way to um, get laid yeah. over the cold period. Yeah. Does it have any Christmassy connotations? Well, I mean, it does actually have some Christmassy connotations <gasps> because. <gasps> As you can see on this card, so the, the man on this card, he's basically giving giving things to people. He's giving them gifts of money. Um, and his cock. <laughs> so, yeah, there is a sense that he's someone who's there and he's, you know, he's quite charitable. He's giving things out. Maybe he's choosing who gets the best trees. I'm going to have, like, a, a tree fella, like, Christmas fling. Oh, my God, I, really I can't wait. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I have a bonus question, oh, oh, if you don't mind. Oh, I love... I, I could do this all night, friends. Okay. In fact, I often do. So. <laughs> I'm a, between Grey's Anatomy and Game of Thrones at home on my own. Uh, summoning the spirit of the dumb women gods. Yeah. How good has this episode been? <gasps> oh, God. Asking the deck. I think we should maybe each pull a card for that. Okay. Okay. So ah. just, like, go through, pick one thing, and I'll tell you what they are. Do it quick. Should I tell you what my card is? Yeah. Page of Pentacles. Feels like a beginning of a new project. Maybe something where... You where Hannah learns tarot. Hannah learns tarot. <laughs> okay. So this episode could have been... Could, maybe it'll bring that into other maybe people's lives. Maybe it's a new interest for me. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're going to start becoming Ooh. a tarot reader. Maybe Ooh. you will. What have you got? Maybe some of your Caroline. I've got the Nine of Wands. The Nine of Wands um, suggests that you are like, this has been... I'm quite tired. Oh. <laughs> I am quite tired. It's been a big week. <laughs> you've, had, you've had a lot on. And you're like, you're cool with it. You've, you've battled on, but you're like, I'm kind of going to be pleased when I can have a little snooze. Alex, what have you got? I've got the Page of Swords. Another page. All right. You guys gang That's up. about ideas. So and we you, did... This is about projects. This is ideas. And we did print <gasps> off a lot of pages for the script. Oh, we did. Well. Yeah. So you were thinking of it as kind of a new idea. And I got... I got heartbreak. Taylor Swift card again. I mean, it she can't stop just, involving herself in narratives. Yeah, yeah, she. Yeah, she just, yeah. so true. Can we just get her out of this narrative? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so you guys are like these like amazing pages full of ideas and and like burgeoning creative projects, and I'm just fucking knackered. Oh, yeah. holding sticks. Oh come on, I've got swords in my heart. Let's make them kiss. I feel better now. And yeah. order is restored. Well, that is all we've got time for this week, unfortunately, guys. Uh, thanks, Stonehenge. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we've been recording this episode. Thanks, as ever, to Necromancer Harry Harris for our jingles, Potion Master Gavin Day for our logo, and, of course, our underground layer at Soho Radio Studios. Special thanks as well to a professional tarot dabbler, Jen Cowney for coming in and playing with cards with us. Thank you also for listening. If you've made it this far, then congratulations, you have lifted the curse that we secretly put on you at the start of this episode. Hooray! Uh, so now to save your firstborn child from it too, please do go and rate us on iTunes and join us again next Tuesday. If you dare. Unlucky, that was a spirit coming out of me. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.